Welcome to Creekside Church. Uh, we are so happy to have you. You guys can have a seat. And uh, Bob Short is going to uh, share a couple announcements with us. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. And gl glad to know I'm not the only person that didn't get to go to Tropical Beach for spring break. Few of us still here. Um, just wanted to give everybody a heads up in case you hadn't already known this. But next week, Gordon Johnstone will be here and he'll be preaching. He's one of the candidates for pastor here at Creekside. And um, then the, the following week, Matt Bowen will be back. But both of these gentlemen, uh, the elders and deacons have interviewed them. We've had a few conversations with them and um, they'll be here next week, Gordon. And Gordon is 49. He's got a wife and two kids. You can see him up there on the screen. Uh, most recently, he served at Crosscut Roads Community Church in Illinois, and they live in, in Rockford. Um, he has served at a couple of different churches in a couple of different pastoral roles, and also in Albania as a um, dean at a seminary that was set up there, um, that he was part of that project of setting up that seminary. And then, excuse me, next week, um, Matt, or the week after that, Matt Bowen will be back. Uh, you guys got a chance to meet him a couple weeks ago. He'll be back to preach. And later this week, we'll send out uh, some information that we're going to be asking you guys for input on some things about these pastor candidates. Um, and so we really want you to be praying about their visit and our times with them that God would reveal to all of us. Uh, his will, who he's prepared for us and who he's prepared us for. And um, then later on, we will have a uh, form that will allow you to give us feedback on those things. Um, in, a, in a minute, the offering is gonna come around during the next song. So right now, I'll give thanks for the offering and then we'll get back to worshiping together. <coughs> Father, thank you for your love and your goodness to us thank you that you've given us all things to enjoy richly and and we do feel very blessed spiritually the life that you've given us and you've also given us material things and we want to recognize that all things come from you and and return to you and this morning as we take up the offering we just pray that you would use that for the furtherance of your kingdom in Urbandale and around the world. Thank you that you have given us the opportunity to share in the sharing of these things. In Jesus' name, we give thanks. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, I was just thinking this morning how awesome it is that we have a God who goes before us, who stands behind us, who really knows every circumstance of our life uh, before it happens. And so as we sing this next song, really just uh, want you guys to, to just be surrounded by that truth that God is in control, that he is guiding and directing our steps each day uh, this week that comes up. Let's go ahead and stand, sing this out together. Father, thank you that we can rest in the shadow of your wings. Lord, we come here this morning needing comfort, needing hope, needing a word from you. 
May you just open our hearts to uh, hear scripture this morning. Uh, may we be blessed and encouraged. Uh, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, this morning our speaker is Doug Elric. Uh, he's continuing our series from First Peter, and we look forward to hearing from him. Thanks, Doug. Good morning, everyone. I appreciate the opportunity to come up here. Uh, the elders um, said they really wanted the congregation, since we're studying First Peter, to understand uh, suffering. And so they said, well, let's have Doug speak. Um, not sure how to take that, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. So buckle up for suffering this morning. So we're in First uh, Peter. We're finishing up chapter 4. Uh, John Glock uh, um, opened up this uh, chapter to us last week, and we're going to continue on here. Uh, I do have some notes in your bulletin. Um, as I, I teach college part-time and uh, understand with the students, their, their attention span is about 30 seconds, and adults are about a third of that. Um, so just have that in there so that you can, uh, you know, if you look at the pretty clouds or wherever and you want to get back to the message, you can follow along there, so. All right, so we're in uh, chapter 4, verse 7. And uh, you know what? I forgot the little clicker. Just in one second. Otherwise, you get to watch one slide the whole time. Are we clicking through now? There we go. All right, so this is kind of an interesting passage in here, and I had to read it through several times to kind of get the gist of where, where Peter is going with this. You know, he starts off with, uh, the end of all things is at hand. Okay, which is, you know, that's kind of a sobering type of message going on, and we're going to get into, then he's going to get into uh, loving one another and using your gifts, and then we're going to get into suffering. And boy, this just seems like a hodgepodge of, of different topics that he's throwing in together. It's kind of like, oh, I'm getting to the end of my letter, and I have all these things I've got to get down real quick, you know. Um, but as we go through this, I think you're going to see the connection uh, that we have with this topic of the end of all things is at hand. Okay. Um, so the, the, the end, that's the Greek word for that is uh, telos, which means fulfillment or consummation. So it's not thinking about it ceasing, but it's coming to fulfillment. The same type of concept is when um, you know, Jesus died on the cross and, and the curtain was torn apart in the Holy of Holies. Okay? The old um, covenant came to an end, and, and the new covenant began. And so this is that same concept that, that Peter's talking about here. Um, so it's not just everything stopping, um, but we're coming to a fulfillment. Okay? At hand means near or approaching. So what, what Peter's talking about here, he's not saying, hey, the world's going to end tomorrow. Okay? Um, He's not saying that. Otherwise, he'd be off by at least 2,000 years, right? Um, and the, the world's still going, so it may even be longer than that. Okay? And also think about, if, if that's really what he was saying, one, why write a letter telling you about all this stuff if the world was going to end tomorrow anyway? Um, and also, how would people react? If you knew, oh, this was your last day on earth, okay, how would you react to that? And we can kind of look back in history at, at some examples, um, there's just been uh, almost every year there's a prediction that the world's going to come to an end. And uh, our Wednesday night Bible study, we've looked at this in the past, and I've printed out pages and pages of, 
of listings of all these different predictions of, of the end of the world and, and how people have reacted to that. Um, about five years ago, many of you may remember that the Mayan calendar was coming to end on December 12, 2012, and that was going to be the end of the world. And people took that seriously, and they um, quit their jobs, and they spent all their money figuring, you know, by the 13th, I won't need it anyway, so we're going to blow everything. Okay. And then what happened on the 13th? They're like, yep, now I'm in trouble. Okay. Um, about 20 years ago, actually 20 years ago this week, there was a religious group called Heaven's Gate. They, uh, many of you may remember this out in California, that uh, they believed that the world was going to end. And the only way that they would survive would be they had to um, transform um, up to the mothership um, by killing themselves. And so 39 of them committed suicide. Again, that was 20 years ago this week because the, the world was, at, was coming to an end at that time. So we don't have a history of reacting really well when we know uh, something is going to happen. Okay. What Peter is doing, he's echoing um, Jesus' words here. So he's not saying, oh, it's going to happen tomorrow. What he's saying is, we've come to a fulfillment, okay, and Jesus could return at any time. Okay. And Jesus said the same thing. Okay, in Matthew 4, 17, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Didn't mean that, it, that things were going to transpire right away, but it was near, it was approaching. Everything had been fulfilled so that um, his return uh, could, could occur at any time. And, and Peter knew this. Peter already knew that he'd been rebuked one other time for asking when, when the time was going to come. Okay? In our Wednesday night Bible study, we're, we're looking at the book of Acts. And uh, the first chapter of Acts has a story of, of uh, Jesus' return. You know, after his resurrection, he actually spent 40 days. And it's, it's you know, sometimes we just think about, oh, he, he appeared for, you know, a little time after he resurrected. But he actually spent 40 days with the disciples after he resurrected. And they're walking out um, of, the, of the city and, and the... Uh, the disciples are all questioning him, and it says, and I like this in the New Living Translation, because it says, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and you are not, and they are not for you to know. So again, you imagine they're walking out, and, and all the disciples around him, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? You know, and Jesus like, don't make me pull this thing over and uh, stop this thing. You know, it's not for you to know. And, and so Peter's aware of this. And so in his letter here, he's not saying the time is going to happen tomorrow. It could happen. And that's what we just need to be prepared that um, while it could happen, we have to believe that it could happen, that the fulfillment has occurred, um, that that Jesus' return could, could um, occur at any time. Okay. So it's approaching. Okay. But we need to be prepared for the road ahead because we don't know when it's going to occur. Okay. And so that's why the, the continuation of this verse is he's saying, you know, um, be sober-minded. Okay. He's telling us to take this seriously uh, for the road ahead. 
believe that while it could not, may not happen during our lifetime, it could happen. Yeah. So because, and so we get into uh, uh, the next verse, um, he, he's saying in here, you know, the, the, uh, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, so we always have to look at that, stop and say, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. But above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. So first off, he reminds the readers several times in this letter, if we look at, you know, starting back at, at the first chapter, Peter's reminding us several times that we need to be serious and sober-minded about this. Now, it doesn't mean that we need to be, you know, down in the mouth and, and uh, you know, overly serious about everything in our lives, but we need to be serious about uh, what's coming. Okay? We need to be serious about the spiritual nature of, of what we're going to be facing. Um, and now we're getting into the love of this. So now be serious, but now we're also supposed to love one another. And again, how do we tie this into, um, you know, the end of all things is at hand? So what Peter's is bringing out here is because all this fulfillment has occurred, there's going to be a spiritual battle going on. Satan is not happy about the fact that, that uh, he was defeated on the cross. And so now what he's doing is he's going after the church. Okay. That's, that's a, a stronghold that he wants to get um, into and to split up. And so Peter is warning us to be um, serious and sober-minded about that spiritual battle. John talked to us about that last week, okay. that there is, this is a war that's going on. Okay. And we seriously take war. We, we don't uh, just ignore it and just go on with our daily lives. We need to be thinking from a, from a spiritual context. Okay? So first off, and it says above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Okay? So a serious love within the body. So, so Peter's talking to the body of believers. And he's saying we need to love one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. What he's not saying here is, oh, well, love will just cover up sin, and we don't have to acknowledge sin, but it makes allowances for sin. In spite of each other's sin, we can love each other earnestly, okay? and we need that within the church. You know, it's so easy to get offended and, and take something the wrong way or, or feel hurt by what happens within the church body, and what he's saying is, recognize that that's going to happen Okay, and love the person anyway. Okay? It's not saying love covers up our own sin. What it does is saying it's going to cover the sins of those around us. We can, we can make allowances for that, just like we do in our own relationships. I mean, men, you've got to agree that you know, if love didn't cover you know, our sins and our mistakes, most of us would not be married for real long, right? Our, our wives give us a lot of covering and a lot of grace. Okay? The same thing needs to occur within the church. Okay? We need to give that grace uh, to one another okay? because Satan is looking to split us up. Okay? And it's so easy, and, and I'm sure all of you that have attended church for a number of years know that there's always problems that, that pop up within churches okay? and that can split and divide, and, and what we're looking for is that unity within the body. Okay? 
and Peter's calling us to love one another earnestly, a serious love, um, so we can cover up um, those mistakes that we make amongst ourselves. Okay. Um, we look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, the love chapter. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or it's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. Uh, it is not um, irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. That's what Peter's calling for us to have within the church. Okay? Not just within our, our marriage relationship or our family relationship or our friends, but within the whole body. We need to exemplify that. Okay? And basically put up with one another, right? Because this is the end times. Things are going to get rocky. Okay? And if we can't stand together as a body, you know, how are we going to stand together alone? Verse 9, this one seems a little weird too. Show hospitality. Um, now, the, the, the tough part is that without grumbling. Okay? You know Peter's been working in the church for 30 years. Okay? He's heard all the grumblings that go on in the church. Okay? He's aware of that. What he's saying is, um, is willingly give of yourself, of your possessions and your time. Again, for the body. Um, and think about this again as a war. We're preparing ourselves. Our, our little army here needs to take care of one another. Now, from the, the Jewish perspective, Peter was very aware of this. They had a tradition that when, when people were coming in and traveling for the different festivals and, and feasts and, and requirements, that the locals would take care of those travelers. They would provide shelter. They would provide meals and, and host uh, those people from, from outside. And what he's calling on is that same sense of hospitality that we're willingly giving ourselves up, not out of some sense of obligation where we're just going to complain and, and grumble about it, but we want this willingness to, to support one another. Next thing that we need within the body is the use of our gifts. In uh, verses 10 and 11, it says, as each has received a gift, and we're talking about spiritual gifts here, use it to serve one another as good steward of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of, that God supplies in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he's talking about the spiritual gifts that we're all given. Okay. He's calling us, we need those within the body to keep the body built up. Okay. Again, because we're going to be seeing rocky times, we need all these various gifts that God gives. So, first of all, you need to know what, what are your gifts. And there may be you know, clues to that. You may find areas within uh, Christian service that you just really find lift you up. And uh, you enjoy doing that, and, and that is most likely your gifts. Find out what other people are saying. They'll recognize those gifts within you. Um, there's also spiritual gift tests that you can take. Um, and that was real popular a number of years ago, uh, to take these different tests. 
and find out what the, what the various gifts are. And sometimes we kind of confuse those with talents. Okay? Earthly talents or natural-born talents are not necessarily the same as what your spiritual gifts are. Okay? So it's important to understand what, what your gift is. If, again, in 1 Corinthians 12, we'll back up a chapter there, talks about the different gifts. and says there's a variety of them, but the same Spirit. So one God has given us these, these variety of gifts. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay? So these gifts are given, uh, again, to build up the body, not to just build up individuals or ourselves. So we don't use them just to bring glory to ourselves, but we bring them uh, for the, to build up the body and to glorify God. And I, I put in a, just one website. You can Google it and find all kinds of different tests out there if you're curious. Um, but I just gave you an example on the handout there if you, if you want to go in and check that out. Um, so I ran my, I've done this about 20, 25 years ago and, and ran it again just to see if my gifts change or, or where are we at. Um, you, you probably can't read this, but it gives you your top three. Number one for me is discernment. But my last one, my lowest, is mercy. Okay? So I interpret that, and I've told this story many times, but I've interpreted that as I understand your problem. I see your pain. I just don't care. Okay? Um, I'm not sure how else to interpret that, but... Uh, um, and an example of that, a Christian brother came to me one time in, at work and, and he was sharing me the struggles he was going through with his family and, and at, the, at the job and, and how it was really getting him down. And, and my loving response was, quit your whining, you crybaby. Get back to work. You know, and uh, so uh, <laughs> he learned not to come to me with his problems anymore. Um, so anyway... Um, when you learn your gifts, again, God's calling us to use those gifts for uh, the building up of the body of believers. Um, but it doesn't preclude us from serving in other areas as well. So don't use it as a crutch to say, well, that's not my gift. You know, and I, I served as a, a Sunday school superintendent at one church, and that was probably one of the most common phrases I kept hearing when I kept asking people to, hey, will you teach this class or teach that? Oh, that's not my gift. That's not my gift. Um, that, that's not to be our crutch to, uh, to get out of doing service. And I actually heard one time someone said, uh, you know, if you see a need or someone brings a need within the church before you, jump in, give it your all. If you are bad enough, someone else will come along and offer to take over for you, okay? So um, don't let that preclude you from, from serving. Um, so we're, and again, there's some tasks that we're called to regardless of what your gifts are. Okay, we're all supposed to be ready to share and provide a witness uh, to one another. Even if evangelism is not your gift, we're all called upon to share, to serve one another, okay? especially for the non-believers. Remember, the gifts are to build up the body, um, but we still have a responsibility to the non-believers as well, um, regardless of what, what our gifts are. So, 
We, we, uh, we talk about building up the body, and, and we need the love, and we need the gifts, and we need the hospitality. Okay? One of the reasons for that is because of the sufferings that we will uh, occur, or that will occur for following Christ. And in verse 12, and, and again, we've been hearing all about sufferings throughout this, this series in 1 Peter, uh, but he's saying specifically here, don't be surprised okay? when the fiery trials come upon you. Okay, to test you, as though something strange is happening to you. Okay? This is something that should be expected for, for following Christ, is that you will, be, um, you will go through trials, and you will go through suffering, uh, because that's what Jesus did. We're following his example. Okay? So don't be surprised when that happens. It says rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So not only are we supposed to expect it, but we're also supposed to rejoice. Okay? We're going to wear that as a badge of honor, okay? that we're counted as worthy to a share in that sufferings that he did. It says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and the God that rests upon you. Okay? Um, so it's a good thing. You're blessed when that happens. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, a, uh, a noted uh, pastor who's known as the Prince of Pastors back about 150 years ago, he shared this quote on, on this passage. He says, if you do not share in Christ's humiliation, how can you expect to share in his exaltation? If the worldlings, and I like that word worldlings, that's not something you hear a lot, but if the worldlings begin to rebuke and reproach you, take it for granted that they can discern something of Christ in you. Dogs do not usually bark at those who live in the same village. It's only strangers that they bark at. And I, I like that uh, um, illustration. Okay. So if we are rebuked or made fun of or ridiculed because we follow Christ, it tells, tells us that people see Christ within us. Okay. Remember last week, for those of you who are here, John posed that question about um, you know, if people see a difference in you. The question is, what, if they're not asking you, why are you different? Okay, you need to be asking yourself, why am I not different? And the same thing here. If I'm not um, being ridiculed, if I'm not being hated for following Christ, can people see that I am a follower of Christ? That's the question we have to ask. Now, this is kind of tough because this is not the great evangelistic message that we go out and knock on door to door and say, hey, come join our group, you're going to suffer, Right? Um, that doesn't draw a lot of people in. Okay. But there's a reward, as, as Spurgeon said. You know, how can we expect to share in that exaltation the glory if we're not willing to share the suffering with, with Christ? Okay. Peter was very acquainted with, with suffering. Just a few days after you know, uh, the church began, after Pentecost, you know, he was imprisoned and beaten uh, for preaching the word. Uh, again, in our Bible study in Acts, we, we just recently looked at the fact that, you know, the, the, the Sadducees had called them, um, Peter and John, before them and telling them to stop preaching. And, uh, the, you know, they were worried about uh, this message getting out. And in verse 40 and 41, it says, And they, the Sadducees, had called the apostles. They beat them. And the, the verse doesn't go into great detail on this, but they were actually scourged. 
Okay, they're, they're having flesh ripped off their body. So this isn't just, you know, hit them with a club one or two times, but this is a severe um, torture that they, occur, uh, that they, they suffered through. So charge them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer the dishonor uh, for the name of Christ. Okay. They had that attitude that they were expecting to suffer for him. And they were rejoiced. They were excited by the fact that they got to share in, in that small glimpse of, of what Jesus did. And we know we're, we're coming up on, on Easter time. And uh, we're, we're reminded of you know, the gifts that Christ gave us by dying on the cross, by taking that physical torture that he did. But, but that's not near the extent of what he actually did for us. He took on all our sins. He took on all that weight of all of our sins, past, present, and future. And he separated himself from God for a period of time. That was the real torture that he took on, the real suffering that he endured beyond just the physical. And so the disciples here are they're rejoicing in that they could just take a small part uh, in that suffering uh, and share that with, um, with what Jesus uh, had gone through. Um, this message is consistent with what Jesus was teaching. This is not consistent with what some other popular churches are teaching, that, oh, you should expect to be blessed in everything that you do. You should you know, prosper okay, and, and receive the best of everything. Okay, that's not consistent with what we're reading throughout uh, the New Testament. Jesus himself says, the world hates you. Know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, and, you cho- um, and I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember that the world, the, the world that I, I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. So Jesus is telling us that we will be persecuted. Because we don't belong to this world. And that's, again, part of this attitude that, that, that uh, we're trying to convey here and that Peter's trying to convey here is, is a different attitude of thinking about ourselves. We're not to be thinking about you know, my, my hundred years on this earth or however long that we get here on this earth and just focus on that. We're supposed to be focusing eternally and keeping that as our perspective. Um, and Paul's teaching the same thing. Paul's saying, you, however, have followed my teachings, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my love, my steadfastness, and my persecutions and sufferings. Um, things that happened to me in Antioch and Iconia and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Okay? He was beaten several times, stoned several times. says, I endured them, yet... Um, I, I endured, yet from all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Okay, and that's the focus on this. Anyone that wants to live a godly life okay, will be persecuted. So it's a guarantee. Okay. Um, in Philippians, it says, For it has been granted to you. It's a gift for you. Okay, for the sake of Christ, that you should not only believe in him, 
but you should also suffer for his sake. There's our gift, that we get to partake in his sufferings while we're here on earth. Again, that's kind of a hard message in an evangelistic meeting, okay, to share to non-believers. But for the body, we should understand this. Okay? If we're thinking eternally, we should understand um, what he's calling for us. Okay? Uh, just for a few chapters back in, in 1 Peter 2, uh, for what credit is it if you sin and are beaten for it and you endure? But if you do good and suffer for it, you endure then this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. So we have that example. This is what we're called to do. We're called um, to service in, in God's army. Because we are at war. And any of you that served... Um, in the military, I don't know, if you, raise your hand if you served in the military in some way. Several of you, thank you for your service. Did they, when you got into service, did they promise, you know, a nice comfy bed and good food and the best of all things? Okay. I'm guessing not, right? Okay. You, were, you were there for a purpose. You were called for a purpose, okay, to serve and to be prepared. Okay. The same way that we're called to service and to be prepared for that. Okay? And we have that perfect example of what to do. We're not to be calling out when, when hardship comes is to say, why me? We should be saying, why not me during good times? Okay? Why am I not suffering? Is there something that I'm not doing? Am I shirking away from um, some responsibility? Or have I hidden away when I should be you know, proclaiming God's name? Those are the questions that we should be asking. Okay? Um, so what's the appeal to follow Christ if we must suffer? Okay. Again, how do you give that message to a, to a new believer or someone who, who may not yet believe? And I don't know where everyone's you know, condition or position with Christ is right here. If you're hearing this message and going, boy, I'm not sure this is really for me. Um, you know, Paul answers that question. He says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay. And if children, then heirs. If you are an heir to the king, what does that make you? That makes you prince and princesses. Okay, that's, a, that's a pretty cool thing. Okay. We are heirs with God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Okay. So we have to pay some dues in order to be glorified with him. Okay. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed uh, to us. Okay. So, yes, not making light of any sufferings that we may go through here on earth. So, specifically, there are lots of different types of suffering, um, but we're specifically talking about suffering uh, because of following Christ. Okay. He's saying that these are not worth comparing to the glory because the glory is going to be such an amazing thing that anything that we have to go through on this earth for this short period of time, there is no comparison to that. Okay? That's the draw that we have. That's the draw that Christ is offering, is saying, yes, you know, as, as soldiers in my army, you're going to go through some tough times, um, but the result is uncomparable to that. Okay? 
Fear is what keeps us oftentimes from um, standing with Christ. We're fear of, of ridicule. We're fear of you know, loss of money or position, um, loss of loved ones, okay? of uh, you know, physical harm. All these things can, can, can uh, hold us back. Um, there's a book that I've had. I've had it for a number of years, and some of you may be familiar with it. It's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. This is just a history of all the, uh, the followers of Christ who have given their lives in service to him, okay? who've offered themselves up, okay? uh, who did not let fear get in, get in their way. Um, one, one pastor, um, it talks about just a, a few years ago, uh, had been preaching, and, and this was in uh, Nigeria, and the rebels came in and uh, they cut off his left hand. Okay? He was out there preaching, and they came, machete, and chopped his hand off. Okay? And while he's looking down, he raised his right hand and started singing, He is Lord, He is Lord. Okay? He's risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Okay? He wasn't letting that, that stop him. And, and uh, in our, our small group, uh, we've been reading through the book Radical, and I think anybody in our small group would uh, attest uh, how good this book has been, but it's, it's challenging and one of the, the chapters that we went through was of giving our time and our service beyond the fear. Okay. Um, and that uh, the author, David Platt, says, you know, the worst that they can do to us is kill us. That seems pretty bad, right? But if we've already given our lives over to Christ, if we have died with Christ already, okay, what is, else is there to lose you know, for the sake? And, and he gives the example of a, of a missionary and his, his wife that went over to, a, um, I think it was Samaria. I'm sorry, not Samaria, Sumatra. And uh, it was Muslim, 100% Muslim. And uh, they were witnessing and they were attacked and, and killed. Okay? Savagely killed. So missionary and his wife, which would be a, you know, a terrible thing as a missionary. You think, okay, I'm going to get killed, but to have my family killed as well. Um, and a number of years later, another missionary came. And I, to me, that takes a lot of guts to be the second guy in there after what happened to the first guy. Um, but the, the tribal leaders there heard his message and said, you know, that's the same message we heard from the first guy. And they believed. And they accepted. And out of that, three million were saved out of that tribe over the years. Okay? So because of the death of that first missionary millions have come to Christ. Um, you know, that's a powerful thing. So we don't know how God's going to use us. All these sufferings and trials, um, they, we can't say that all trials come from God. We know that that's not true. But he, him allowing the suffering is true. He allows it. And he chooses who he's going to physically save and who he's not, who's going to um, come to him in glory sooner, as it were. And we don't know the mind of Christ, and we don't know, again, what the impact is going to be. You know, that first missionary that went had no idea that, you know, being killed right after he got there was going to end up saving three million down the road. Um, but in Romans, Romans 8, it says, What then shall we say to these things? Is God, if God is for us, who can be against us? And that's just a verse that I, you know, just always think about. If, if God is for us, who on this earth can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So he will be with us for eternity. And we think about that. We think from that eternal perspective. And, you know, I can't draw a line that goes off to eternity, so I just picked a million. Okay, here's our timeline. million years for eternity. Where is, on this line, how much of that is taken up by our life here on earth? Okay, there is not a dot small enough that I could put on this timeline to represent our time here on earth. Okay. And Peter talked about that in... in uh, chapter 1, and you're also going to refer to it in chapter 5. It says, in this we rejoice, so for now a little while, if necessary, you'll be grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, faith, more precious than gold that perishes, um, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So for now, for a little while, and that, again, that's that eternal perspective, that spiritual perspective of looking forward, not just at our time here on earth. Um, He's also giving warnings that don't suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. We're comparing meddlers with murderers. He's saying there are other types of suffering. There are suffering when we sin and when we screw up and when we do dumb things. Okay? He's saying don't pay stupid tax, right? As uh, Dave Ramsey always calls it. Um, we all mess up. We all suffer because of that. That's not the type of suffering that uh, he's uh, saying that we should expect. Okay? And these sufferings also occur just within the church itself when we mess up. Okay? Um, in, in, uh, I'll give some examples of that. One is uh, um, Ananias and Sapphira. I'm going back to our Wednesday night Bible study on the Acts. Okay, we have two people in the church. The church is just being formed, and they come up and give an offering. Okay? They sold some property, and they're, they're laying some of that offering at the, the feet of the disciples. Okay? But they lied to the Holy Spirit about it. They didn't give everything. They proclaimed that they, they sold this land, and they're giving it all to the church which they didn't. They held some back. And because of that, God struck them both down. They both died right there immediately. First Ananias, and then a little while later, Sapphira came in and and made the same lie, and she was struck dead as well. Um, In a little while, we're going to be uh, celebrating communion. We're going to be remembering what Christ did. Um, But Paul gives us warning about communion. It says, if you, you know, don't take it in an unworthy manner. It says, many of you may be sick and ill uh, because of this. And he's warning in the church. There is a seriousness about what we're doing here in, in this remembrance. And this is not to dissuade anyone from taking communion. I don't want you to be fearful of communion. But, but come with the proper attitude. It's not something that's easy when we're just doing it weekly to just kind of go through the motions on that. But this is a time for believers. We call this close communion for any believer to come forward and share within that. Um, and in that worthy manner, you know, if you've got some unresolved sin, if there's something that you need to take care of, if there's a problem with, you know, another uh, brother or sister, get that resolved before you come to the table. We'll be offering it again next week. It's not a, it's not a crime to not come up and take communion every week. Okay. 
but he wants you to do it in a worthy manner, and that's okay. Prepare yourself for that. Because, you, you know, we don't want to suffer because of things that uh, we're doing that, that goes against what God's calling. Okay. Final verses here. It says that if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Again, that badge that we're going to wear. But let him glorify God in that name. For it is a time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And it begins with us. It begins with the church. What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, scarcely saved, sorry, um, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So Peter's saying, look, you're going to suffer for a while as believers, but imagine what's going to happen to the non-believer. If, if his own children are going to have to suffer a little bit for a little while, think about those who are not his children and, and what pain and torture they're going to go through um, for eternity. Okay? So endure. Okay? Endure the suffering. Okay? You're suffering according to God's will and wear it as that badge um, that you know that you're living according to his will. Okay? Uh, you not need to be ashamed of your pain for following Christ, okay? If, you know, um, suffering occurs and, and you lose your possessions, you lose whatever, you know, you look at all the things that Job lost, um, we, we risk losing a lot on this earth, but we don't need to be ashamed of that. Recognize if God does not spare us from trials, what is in store for those who reject him? Put your trust in him who is always faithful. Um, so summarizing, kind of getting back, again, the end is at hand. All things could occur. Jesus could return at any time. Okay. But until that time, things are going to be rough for us. And we need this body of believers. We, we're not a bunch of individual islands. We, we're a group. We're a family that needs to come together and love one another and lift each other up and, and uh, um, prepare each other and hold each other during this suffering time. Um, if, if you're not a believer today, I encourage you to take that time to call out to God. Okay? Recognize that, yes, we're not calling for an easy life here on earth, but we're, we're calling for an eternity of glory with him. Okay? If you are a believer and you're thinking, yeah, I've never really gone through suffering, everything is looking pretty good. Okay? Not for me to judge your life. You need to go before God and say, God, am I doing what I should be doing? Am I following your example? Am I following what you're calling me to do? Those are the, uh, the messages that Peter has for us today. And uh, um, we're going to break the bread um, and come together and remember him. Uh, there's two tables in the front and one in the back. Um, and uh, let's go to prayer and uh, thank him for uh, the gift that he's given us. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this time that we've had to share in your word and the message that your servant Peter has given us uh, through, through your leading. We, uh, we lift up uh, this time of sharing and the breaking of the bread. We, we, uh, we want to come in a loving, worthy spirit before you. We want to be loving one another, uh, being gracious and, and, uh, and dealing with each other. And Lord, uh, give us uh, the boldness to, uh, to stand up against the fear uh, to endure any sufferings that may come 
come our way because of following you, that we know that it's not worthy for comparison to what you have for us. And we lift this time up in the name of your son, Jesus.